Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge. It is a beautiful day here in Southern Colorado. I extend a warm welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge on show number 38 year on this, and it's just been a wonderful ride. I've learned a lot myself, even though I've been in the tax business for 20 years, found a lot of wonderful people that are helping me to uh, teach you as a taxpayer a little bit more about taxes and in dealing with the IRS. We do appreciate uh, our worldwide audience throughout the United States, uh, China, India, just amazes how people all over seem to be interested in United States taxes. So keep in mind that if you're listening to this podcast, you can do it on multiple platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Now there's many, many, in, many types of information I cover in this program. And you're certainly welcome to uh, give me a call, 844-394-4287. Also, you can email success at cashtracksfinancial.com because we offer a free mutual exploration session to individual and businesses who are interested in just exploring, trying to do a little bit better financially and dealing with the IRS. You can also just schedule your appointment at cashtracksfinancial.com. So we certainly invite you to do so. Anything comes up, certainly give us a call or email us or just set your appointment at cashtracksfinancial.com. So I have a question out there for you at this point. Are you one of the millions still waiting for your 2019 or 2020 tax refund? Well, one thing I can tell you is that you are definitely not alone. There are several, even within my area where I practice and do tax returns that are still waiting, which is why we are discussing this subject today. Can the IRS balance enforcement and provide taxpayer service? Now, I just really feel excited and privileged. I have Nina Olson on the program with me today, who is the, the former National Taxpayer Advocate of the United States and currently the Executive Director of the Center for Taxpayer Rights. That's a nonprofit that works to advance taxpayer rights in the U.S. and internationally. And as I mentioned, Nina had served as a National Taxpayer Advocate from 2001 up until July of 2019. And I was excited because I've always heard some of her reports. She's a very down-to-earth person and gave some really reports to really great reports to Congress. And, they, and when I've read them and always saw them, I was like, man, yeah, Nina, go, go. Because she always gave out such wonderful information. It's like, you're right here with me in the, in the trenches telling me, telling them what's going on. But as we know, do they really listen? Anyway, she's also submitted 39 annual reports to Congress, testified over 60 times to Congress. Uh, and even before being the National Taxpayer Advocate, founded the Community Tax Law Project, which is the first independent low-income taxpayer clinic has maintained a legal practice representing taxpayers in disputes with the IRS and received many awards, including was it the American Bar Association Section of Taxation's Distinguished Services Award for Lifetime Service, a pro bono award, the Jules Ritz-Holtz Memorial Merit Award for Outstanding Dedication, <laughs> Achievement in Integrating the Field of Civil and Criminal Tax Controversies. Then in 2006, rec 16, that is recognized by the tax analysts as one of the top 10 outstanding women in tax internationally. 
Then University of Pittsburgh Tax Review. Boy, how about this? Getting an issue dedicated to you for 2020 for her work in the field of taxation, as well as a member of the Virginia and North Carolina State Bar Associations. And Nina's been a fellow with the American College of Tax Council. So certainly a lot there, Nina, you've accomplished. We certainly really appreciate you being there. So how are you doing, doing there today, Nina? Well, I'm great, and I'm really honored to be with you and so glad that this worked out so we can discuss some of the issues that you sort of identified. Yes, yes. These issues are so important. You would, you know, you would know, because I'm sure you've heard the stories, <laughs> getting the calls from the clients, or you've heard at least them saying, do you know what's going on with my tax refund? Well, and that's just normal, a tax business. But when you're talking 12, 16 weeks after the return's been e-filed, electronically filed, then it's like, at least I've been telling, well, the IRS says this, there's not much I can do. I just tell you, it's hurry up and be patient. Even the IRS has admitted that. Yeah, you know, I think it's really hard for people right now. And I think, um, you know, some of it is the result of, if you think about what the IRS has gone through over the last just three filing cycles, you know, in the 2019 filing season, they were, you know, basically recovering from a a multi-week shutdown, government shutdown, mm-hmm. in which they they got behind in all sorts of stuff just by virtue of there was no funding for the federal government. Congress didn't enact a budget. And so the IRS, for all intents and purposes, shut down, didn't answer the phones, um, you know, got behind on all sorts of processing, was only able to do those things that were absolutely vital to the integrity of the nation. Um, And so it's digging itself out, you know, over the summer of 2019, and then you start the filing season in 2020, and you're hit with the pandemic in which the IRS was completely shut down, phones, mail, all sorts of stuff, you know, not being able to work things. And it wasn't really designed to be a telework organization. So the phones, there were very few people authorized to do telework on the phones. They couldn't, you know, since a lot of things come in by mail or if a return is stopped in the auto, if it's e-filed, but it's Mm -hmm. stopped in the automated processing, there Mm -hmm. has to be a live human being that looks at it. And Mm -hmm. all of that causes backup. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, so it never got out of the 2020 filing season Mm -hmm. by the end of the 2020 calendar year. And now you're moving into the 2020, you know, you're in the 2021 filing Mm -hmm. season with already 2019 and 2020 returns backed up. And they just continue to be backed up. You've got returns, which we knew would happen, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being stopped because, of the economic impact payments that went mm-hmm. out that they needed to be reconciled on the returns and people make mistakes, they get the wrong information, they forget they received a payment. And so all those returns are stopped and have to be looked at in order to make mm-hmm. corrections on it. Mm-hmm. And we knew from when the IRS did that in 20, when we had the 20, 2008, you know, ec, um, economic stimulus payments, mm-hmm. we knew from the following filing <laughs> season that there was going to be this huge influx of returns where people mm-hmm. got the, the amounts wrong. Um, and, you know, I, so that's knowledge we already had, but it seems like the IRS didn't expect this kind of um, error rate. And I, you know, I, I'm frustrated, personally frustrated about that because you could have seen it coming and it mm-hmm. probably because there were so many more payments, you know, mm-hmm. there would have been more errors. Um, and make the case to Congress that you need the funding to hire the people to handle that. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Well, I know even from prior years, just even in a, I don't know, I will say a normal normal or relatively normal year, I've had clients who end up in this review process, just that needs to be manually processed for whatever reason. And that would take extra weeks other than the normal 21 days end up being about 10 weeks or whatever. But now those ones that get that extra review are not weeks, but it's months out. Yeah, you know, and 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 some of this, it's sort of a it's it's a it's a layering of things. You know, they're they're mm-hmm. the things that the agency needs to do to protect, you know, to protect against identity theft, mm-hmm. refund fraud, things like that. And they have filters and rules and models and things, and they freeze a lot of returns temporarily. Mm-hmm. The problem is that the, those filters have actually a very high, what we call false positive rate, which means that they've frozen a return mm-hmm. that ultimately turns out to be legitimate. And depending on what filter you're looking at, it can be anywhere from 60% to 90% of the returns mm-hmm. frozen actually end up being legitimate. And what I've always mm-hmm. said to, I know, that's extraordinarily high. What I've always said to the IRS is, I understand you need to, temporarily stop returns to protect, you know, the public revenues. You don't want to issue refunds out to people who aren't entitled to them. Mm-hmm. But you, because of the high false positive rates, you need to staff those programs up really significantly. So there's a very minimal period of time where you finally look at them and mm-hmm. go, this is a legitimate return, get it back in the system. Mm-hmm. And and those programs have never been adequately staffed to do that. So people who ultimately had a legitimate return are mm-hmm. caught in that process for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And then because those processes are actually sequential, not done all at once, it can mean that first your return is stopped because of, I don't know, you had a rebate recovery credit reconciliation issue. It may mean that before that even happens, you may have been stopped by an identity theft filter. Mm-hmm. And then after the rebate, you, you may get stopped by math error. And so it could be a series of things that then keep your return, just as it goes back into the system from one thing, it mm-hmm. gets stopped from another. And mm-hmm. every time that happens, you get phone calls. You get people mailing things. The preparers get angry. Clients calling what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just sort of snowballs into it. And I think this year is really the breaking mm-hmm. point. It is yeah. not a functioning organization from the point of view of taxpayers who are trying to figure out what's going on. And then if you think about it, there's another issue, which is that you may not get your third economic impact payment, mm-hmm. you know, because that's tied up with the processing of a past year return, and you may not be eligible for the six months of advanced child mm-hmm. tax credit because your 2020 return hasn't been processed or your 2019 return is held up. And what might be even worse is that your 2020 return, which is more current, is mm-hmm. held up, but the advanced credit is being paid out on the 2019 return, which is inaccurate. And so the wrong person is getting the money. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And I have actually, I have a couple of situations like that, that I'm, that I'm just, it's kind of like, you're kind of like stuck in the middle on it and just saying, uh, we're just going to have to kind of wait, let the IRS get your return processed. And hopefully, 
hopefully they'll take care of it. And some of those returns that you're talking about, I've I've had those kind of delays happen with clients I've done for years. It's basically right. the same information. They have children. It's nothing's really changed. It's just it's just another year. And for whatever reasons, it's like they're randomly, whoop, we're gonna pick and pick, we're gonna pick you out, pick on you, even though nothing's changed. And I'm like looking at this going, this is the same information I've submitted for five, six, ten years, and you're singling them out for a review. Whereas I have other ones that that I do a lot more due diligence on as a tax preparer that they never question. Right. <laughs> and right. it's like I, 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 that's one thing I can't get. It's like, how, how can this one be this way that's consistent? And then this one that's new that I've had to do extra due diligence on, and then this one not be questioned. But who right. knows? You know, I think that's one of the myths of, of technology is that, you know, the IRS is certainly using a lot of filters and technological programs. And you think, well, that should solve some of these things, that technology can solve mm-hmm. some of these problems. When in fact, at least in the refund fraud area and the identity theft area, it's stopping things. And there's been this myth that you don't need human beings then to look at this stuff after they're stopped. (laughs) And of course, you do need human beings to look at it. And nor do you want a machine to just make those kinds of decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, they really haven't made it easy for taxpayers to submit information um, upload things to the system and things like that. I don't know how many of your, you know, clients have tried to create online accounts, mm-hmm. but you know, if we have international callers, you know, they're not able to create an online account, and so they have to communicate with IRS either through a toll phone call from overseas, which is good luck with that. You sit on the hold and then maybe mm-hmm. get disconnected or mail. Mm-hmm. And again, since, you know, that requires a human being to sort the mail and they're the same people who are dealing with returns coming in and mm-hmm. all of that, you know, your correspondence may not get through if you mm-hmm. try to create an online account because the IRS has established the authentication criteria is so mm-hmm. high and stringent, you could yeah. be rejected and not get through um, and and so you can't even easily communicate with the IRS online, mm-hmm. if, even if you wanted to, to cut through the phones and things like that. Well, I do know that's true because I've had some clients that have gone through, logged in, tried to log in and create an account for the uh, to because they they want to waive getting the advance right. child, child tax, tax credit. credit and. The pro I, I didn't know what the process was like because I I haven't had to go through it or I wasn't going to go through it. But I said, this is what you can do. But man, live, I didn't realize. They said, I got to go here. Then they take me over to here. And then I got to submit this. I'm like, oh, my goodness. There's got to be a way pe- to do that easier. Well, and that's for people and that's for people who are digitally adept. Think about yeah, people exactly. who aren't digitally adept. And and then where are they driven? They're driven to a phone line. And and do you get picked up there? So you can see that as you do each of those, each of those points where a taxpayer encounters difficulty, mm-hmm. you know, leads to people giving up. And that has two consequences. Like with the advanced child tax credit, if they want to unenroll, they don't want the money in advance because they're using it to pay self you know, they're using the credit to go towards self-employment tax or something like that. They don't want to get They don't Mm -hmm. want to have a liability at the end of the year. Well, they may end up having a liability at the end of the year because they weren't able to unenroll. And, 
And on the other hand, if you've got somebody that, and I was just talking to somebody the other day who got a notice and he thinks it's wrong. He can't figure out why it's right. He sat on the call for a while and finally ended up paying $1,000 because he couldn't get through on the phone and he just didn't want to deal with it any longer. Mm -hmm. And that is such a wrong answer. You know, no one should pay taxes that they, they should pay the taxes that they are required to owe but Mm -hmm. if they actually think that they can't but they just give up that's Mm -hmm. really the wrong answer and if you know if that continues to happen i think you will see a decline in the compliance rate from people who were formerly compliant they just Mm -hmm. you know they're not being treated right yes and certainly as as a tax professional myself i i I do my best, but yeah, I, I, I see the frustration on their face, which thus then comes back to me as a frustration yeah. and trying yeah. to help them in dealing with it there. Yeah, and they're sort of saying, wait a minute, we paid you. Why can't you get through? And it's just like, you don't understand. We're experiencing the same wait times and everything like that that you are. Yeah. You know, another issue I'm really worried about, um, and this goes to next year's filing season, is oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm worried about that in general, but, you know, Congress, you know, um, lowered the reporting threshold, right, mm-hmm. for this Form 1099-K, which is mm-hmm. the reporting from financial platforms, electronic yes. platforms. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, it used to be that it was if you had over $20,000 mm-hmm. in sales or interactions from any number of platforms, whether it was Uber driving, Lyft, whatever, mm-hmm. um, Airbnb, if you were over 20,000, then you would get a form. Um, and now it's, it's if you're over $600. And mm-hmm. I am really worried that there are going to be a ton of people mm-hmm. next filing season who are going to get these forms, realize that the IRS is now reporting this information in prior years because they never got a piece of paper saying you mm-hmm. have to report it. They never did. And mm-hmm. they will not have anything saved up to pay. Maybe they won't even owe that much income tax, but they will because of the standard deduction, mm-hmm. but they will owe self-employment tax at 15.3%. And they are not prepared to pay that. And so, you know, that's just another snowball thing. And I really don't see the IRS doing a lot of outreach about Mm-hmm. That warning people to really be be making estimated tax payments, figuring mm-hmm. something like that out. Yeah, and that's and that's that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up about the ten. I had forgotten about the ten ninety nine k adjustments there down to six down to six hundred there, and that's just yeah because you got people was it selling stuff on like like eBay, eBay's, yep. the Amazon's. Yep. The, there's another one out there I just saw called Mercari that there's a lot uh-huh. of sales on. Uh, and so all those places, yep. if they may, if they made more than six hundred in sales, they're going to get that. And because of the nature of what it is, the IRS is going to look at it as self-employment income. Right. Thus, you should pay self-employment tax right. on it. And it's just going to be like if they don't include it, it's just that's where the computers come in. It's just a simple match. You know, they're just going to say you failed mm-hmm. to report this, and here's the proposed tax that you owe. Um, And I just feel like there really needs to be a proactive push for people. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, and this was something we we recommended in our annual reports years ago, was, you know, make it easy for people to pay their estimated taxes monthly when they get the Mm -hmm. money in. You know, there are these weird quarterly estimated tax dates, right? It's like April 15th, June 15th. So that's two months later, then September 15th, and then January 15th. And it's like... Why don't you just do it quarterly at least, but better yet, just make it easy for people like their monthly 
their monthly mortgage or their monthly car loan, Mm -hmm. you know, or their rent, you know, to set up, just take this much out every Mm -hmm. month. And then it's out of their hands and they're not spending it. And, but it's, if you even try to set up a year's Mm -hmm. worth of payments coming out of your account to the IRS in advance, it's like really hard to do. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to do that. And, you know, that sort of goes to, how technology really isn't being used right. You know, technology Mm -hmm. should make it easier for you to do certain things like that. And that's odd. That's odd that that won't be, that doesn't happen because you can set up an installment agreement with a monthly deduction. Right, right, right. It it seems reasonable. You should be able to set up a monthly pre-tax payment. Or so you have to go through, payment. yeah, the EFTPS, what is that? The electronic, yes, electronic fed something federal transfer trans- payment yeah. system. EFTPS, and, yeah. And you have to schedule, instead of like if you went into your bank and you just said, I want you to take this out and it says mm-hmm. how often and you say monthly and they say mm-hmm. how much and you put in an amount and then you hit do yeah. it and mm-hmm. then it's done. Um, you have to go in and schedule each mm-hmm. Withdrawal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like, that makes no sense. Now, that's the IRS doesn't own that system. But mm-hmm. as a major collector of tax, it should be advocating that that system be, com- be made simple. It would help people keep out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, some, and see, some tax software, like I know my tax software I use, uh, has an option in there where you can at least schedule the quarterly payments to come out automatically. And I think that's only because they're matching the IRS system, right? which, right. which makes sense. See, right. that's something we could do as tax professionals with clients if the IRS would do that. And right. that'd be real simple. That would that's be good. I, that'd yeah, be good. That would say, be really okay, good. Let's take out X amount per month. You yeah. got the money. Let's just automatically take it out and you're done with it. Just like, yeah, like especially when, when you've done your return, then you know what your, your tax liability was and what you're going to need to match next year, at least, you know, at a minimum. And you could just divide that by 12 and that just comes out. You know? And it's, it's a lot easier for most taxpayers to deal with as compared to, uh, those crazy deadlines. I know. And, and it's not quarterly. <laughs> well, I've tried to be creative sometimes and saying, well, why don't we just print three of these and three of these and three of these? And then why don't you just send in a payment each month using, yeah, yeah, yeah. using your coupons? Yeah, so, yeah that's uh, a good plan. I, I try to do that. that. They get a, yeah, hope they get applied correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hope they get yeah. That's always the key. <laughs> Let's get them applied correctly there. So we've touched on a lot of these technology challenges yeah. faced by the IRS. Is yeah. there any other? technology issues you see here with this? Well, you know, I mean, people are really, a lot of people are talking about how old the IRS technology is. I mean, they obviously have newer technology. I mean, they're adding things every day, but, you know, their core most important systems, what we call the the taxpayer, the official record of the taxpayer's account, which is called individual master file and business master file, which Mm -hmm. contain the key information about the taxpayer, is is programmed based on you know 1960s language and technology and oh, infrastructure wow. and so all of the later systems that interface with that you have to have someone who is knowledgeable about that language and can build on it and because its structure isn't really you know it wasn't built thinking about that we were going to be using it with 2021 technology mm-hmm. you're basically creating a Rube Goldberg kind of contraption so, you know, that's one thing. Um, 
The other thing is that it takes so much time and energy and money to maintain these older systems. And then the, mm. the, 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 the systems that link with more modern systems. And each time you have that, it increases the risk that something might go wrong. And that increases the need to have staff constantly checking. So it really holds the IRS back. But the idea of doing a major, you know, overhaul of those systems, which is no longer a nice to have, but an absolute necessity to have, um, you know, that's part of President Biden, some of President Biden's proposals about additional funding for the IRS, but it is a 10 to 15 year project. And you won't wow. immediately see results from it because the first two or so years, you're going to have to do a lot of behind the scenes planning and stuff before you even see a tiny bit of results. But the thing is that that with the appropriation cycle the way it is, you know, where you get a different funding level each year, you're never able mm -hmm. to plan out 15 years in advance. So we've all, you know, back in 2006, I, I, you know, first started advocating to take the IRS out of the regular budget cycle so you could actually do some of these longer term mm. projects. Um, you know, and then the other, the other thing that's sort of a, a consequence of the way IRS technology grew up over the years, you know, you had this first big system, IMF and individual master file and business master file, and then you sort of added on more systems. So the auditor said, well, we need to keep electronic case files. And the collection people said, we need to do this. <laughs> and the people on the phone wanted their own systems to be able to see information. Mm -hmm. And and what turns out is that the IRS today has at least 60 at least 60 and probably more different case management systems containing information about the taxpayer. And not that information isn't held in any one place. It's in these 60 different systems. And so certain pieces of that information gets put into a the main system that maybe everybody can see, but the rest of it stays over like in the audit system, which I, as an employee in the taxpayer advocate service, may or may not have access to. Certainly, as a phone assister, I don't mm -hmm. have access to that system. I can't see what's going on. I can't see what's going on in collection system. I can only see what the IRS has decided gets pulled from those accounts. So sometimes, a lot of times, when taxpayers call up the main toll-free line on the phone mm -hmm. to get help, and they say, I got a notice from the IRS. I had a friend who got a math error notice. Mm -hmm. And he called up the IRS to say, I don't understand. I've looked at my return. I don't understand why you're saying I owe thousands of dollars. And the person on the phone said, well, I can see you got the notice, but I cannot see your account in order to be able to tell why they made the adjustment. Now, this was the phone number that was put on the notice. You were told to call this mm -hmm. number to find mm -hmm. out more information. And this person said, well, I'm going to have to write up a little referral form and someone mm -hmm. will get back to you. You know, so then you get a letter from the IRS that says, well, we need some more time to look at look at this, you know, and you're, you're in this cycle. Mm -hmm. And that is yes. some of it is the result of technology that the person on the phone can't see the information in this other system. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's no repository 360 degree system that has all the information about the taxpayers. And that is increasingly, you know, a, a problem. And then think about it, that mm -hmm. creates more phone calls it creates the taxpayer writing more letters. 
mm-hmm. you know, to say, well, I got this letter, but you haven't explained this, or you just sent me another letter, but I'm, now I'm getting collection letters. People are telling me to pay this, and I don't think I owe this. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what do you do there? Mm-hmm. Well, everything you just described is something I have experienced at one time <laughs> or another with a taxpayer or even on a my call myself to the IRS because, yeah, you can call and and it's you're talking to them in system A, but then what you need is over in system C over here because for whatever reason, due to technology limitations within the service, they don't talk to each other. So, you, so till they merge that information, it's like you got a, I was just thinking about this as you were talking about the technology, it's like you got a, a vacuum tube trying to talk to a, uh, a smartphone. Right. Right. It doesn't it, communicate. Yeah. They, they don't communicate with each other. And it sounds yeah. like uh, the, the 60 systems and the 2021 systems, they got to, well, or they got to update the 1960 systems uh, there. So it's definitely, definitely some tech challenges there. And thus, as you mentioned, the staffing challenges then come in there. And how have those, of course, playing a part in this? You touched right. on that some about the staffing challenges right. affecting all of this. Well, and then you think about, you know, what it's like for the employees. I mean, it's a terrible mm-hmm. experience to have somebody on the phone who's very upset about getting this notice and you literally can't help them, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what you're saying to people day in and day out. I mean, that's just very demoralizing for the, you know, if they, that they can't help people, you know, they mm-hmm. can't see what the problem is. They can take the step of trying to get it to the right place, but they don't know whether it got to the right place. They don't know if this person ever got helped or not. And Mm -hmm. they are the ones that are going to receive the next angry phone call from that person, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's not a a good thing for the employees and it, Mm -hmm. it, you know, it erodes morale and it also, you know, deteriorates taxpayer service. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, the other thing that happens, and this is an experience that we had, in the taxpayer advocate service, you know, the IRS has systems to update, you know, to select returns for audit. And um, this was true, particularly in uh, the family status provisions, like you're claiming somebody for a dependency mm-hmm. exemption or a child tax credit or whatever. And the IRS has all these little filters and rules. And if you break one, you may be selected for audit. And when I was over the taxpayer advocate service, you know, we would get a lot of taxpayers complaining about the audit process and saying the child lives with me, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. entitled to claim this child. And we'd go in and we would, we would submit the information on behalf of the taxpayer and the IRS would ultimately say, yeah, you're entitled to claim this child. Well, the very next year, Mm -hmm. the systems would select that return. Because according to, they hadn't updated their system. Like there was no feedback loop, you know, Mm -hmm. like here's a group of cases where your your rules said these people aren't entitled to this child. And when you actually looked at the case, you said, oh, yes, this child lives with this taxpayer. Why don't you take those cases and feed them back through to update your rules. There's something about the fact patterns here Mm -hmm. that might help you refine your rules so you don't select this person next year. And instead, the rules are the rules, and that person will be selected next year Mm -hmm. because according to the rules, they're still not entitled to it, and then they have to go through the same process over again. Mm-hmm. And and that's really, you know, when you talk about technology, if there's one thing that we should be able to use, it's artificial intelligence to be able to improve our filters, you know, feedback in the actual, inf- the actual cases 
where you got a different result Mm -hmm. and incorporate that so you don't torment those people going forward. Yeah. Well, it definitely feels like like torment going forward there. I see that (laughs) happen all so much. And I've had that happen. It's like they come to me. It's like, I I can't explain why you got this notice. Something in the system is obviously identifying you. Now, definitely, I know it's a technology flaw. Right. Well, part of and it lack is. lack of talking. Yeah. Because these, these individuals and some of these are people I've known personally for years. It's like they get these letters. It's like, what in the world? You're getting, you've claimed your child. And all of a sudden, they say you can't claim your child, which is a sad part because then I got other individuals who are fighting to claim, actually claim right. their child because there was either a fraudulent claim or an ex-spouse claimed a child that they shouldn't have claimed, these kind of things. I'm deal- I deal with these issues a lot. And uh, unfortunately, when you got a mail-in return, especially now, it takes forever, but right. eventually it catches up. But we're talking, again, right. months. What used to take maybe right. two or three months is going to take six to right. 12 months probably now because I just had a client call and ask me about it because that's an issue we're dealing with right now is, is an ex had claimed two children that he really has no right to claim. Right. And she's the one that's supposed to, that, that can claim because they live with her. And anyway, says, well, this is what we can do just because uh, he e-filed. It doesn't mean you're stuck. Yeah, he which went in first. Yeah. He went but in now. first. And, but, but you have the right. So we're, we're going to go in and fix it. And that's one of the, the things that I wish somehow we could fix faster. Right. Is when there is a fraudulent claim like that. Right. But other than what we're, other than what we know to do. Right. I just, I, which I've done for years. Which is, a, which is in a fight I've had with other tax preparers about it. They say, well, they're just stuck. I'm like, no, they're not just stuck. They're but not it stuck. Does, they're not stuck. But there's that, that myth is out there, but that's yeah. kind of getting us all off, off topic. Well, that's sort of, you know, that's sort of the, like just give up, you know, which yeah. is just that, a yeah. terrible thing. You don't want to give, you don't want them to yeah. give up. And then how do they feel about that? That's why the IRS has a bad reputation because there are people out there who've given up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they've ended up not, you know, paying more money than they should or not receiving the benefits through the tax Mm -hmm. system that they should receive. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just going to be worse, you know, next year with the advanced child tax credit, where some people mm -hmm. have gotten the child tax credit, but based on a 2020 return that they don't deserve because the children aren't with them this year. And, Mm -hmm. And then there are other families that, you know, they trade off claiming the child, right? Yes. Like you get the even years and I'll get the odd years. And that's mm-hmm. fine. They agree with it because they've split custody. But the way the child tax credit is right now, the person with the even year, the mm-hmm. 2020 return is going to get the advanced child tax credit, even though for 2021, the person of the odd year is supposed to. And like we talked about in the beginning, if you can't get through to to say, I don't want that credit in advance, mm-hmm. you're going to get the money whether you want it or not. And mm-hmm. yeah. I, that's just crazy. You know, that's really, that. there are ways of working around it, but you need to have the technology to do it and you need to have the staff. And, you know, I this is where, you know, mm-hmm. we all need to make the case for this. We all need to make the case. It's not just that technology is going to solve it. There's no mm-hmm. solution to the phones other than more human beings on the phones mm-hmm. um, and, and trained human beings. So there's no mm-hmm. solution to the backlog other than more human beings to work on the backlog and process these things through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, at least as a professional, like when I do call in and reach somebody through the preparer line, I always try to be nice to them. Right. I always try to tell them, thank you. I appreciate what you do because they may not get that all the time. Right. 
And I, right. I, I feel they, they need some positivity in their lives. Right. Because I'm right. sure they're, they're, in some ways, they're probably more frustrated than we are because I'm just making right. one phone call in the day and they're probably getting dozens of phone well, calls a day. They're getting a ton of calls a day. <laughs> and people are not always very pleasant with them, even though it's not their fault. So, yeah. At least that's what I that's what I do, and that's how I treat them. Because I figure, man, they they may be a federal employee, but some of this problem isn't even their fault. Well, of course, none well, of it is their fault. A lot of it isn't their fault. It's, that's it's, right. Yeah, it's not and, their fault. They're just the they're just the person stuck on the phone. Yeah, and the other thing is that if you're going to be nasty to them, just think that the next person that they talk to is going to be dumped on from your nastiness. Like there's yeah. going to be your it's going to be paid forward, as opposed to paying forward courtesy and politeness. And that's not to say you can't get frustrated mm-hmm. that you can't say, "Well, I need to speak to your manager because I don't understand why this process is working." Mm-hmm. And the other thing to do is to try to go to the taxpayer advocate service. Now I know the taxpayer advocate service is swamped right now because all these backlogs people are coming to them. Mm -hmm. And they've said that they have on their website that they can only their their ability to help with processing tax returns may be very limited. They can certainly help with, you know, identity theft returns. Mm -hmm. And they can also help um, in the case that you've got, you know, where we were talking about somebody else claimed the child, and you're trying to get the correct Mm -hmm return through. What they're having difficulty with are the ones where they're sort of stuck in error processing because of the rebate recovery credit and stuff like that, um, that it's just going to take time to work out. But the Taxpayer Advocate Service really is an avenue to get some help with on these sticky issues. Um, Even for international people, even though the Taxpayer Advocate Service also doesn't have a toll-free number for international. It does have an office that's dedicated mm-hmm. to international cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's in Puerto Rico. So, um, you know, there is there is assistance there. But again, they're backed up too. This is just all this consequence of this backup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we continue to look at this, uh, you mentioned, of course, they need funding. They need to hire more people. So what's, what do we, it sounds like, at least from what we're talking about here, there's a lot of solutions that can be done. It's just getting the implementation in place. Yeah. You know, and, and I, you know, what I really worry about is um, all the discussion about enforcement, you know, when you read Mm -hmm. the newspapers and you say, yes, we need to fund the IRS so we can do more audits and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, you don't necessarily even need to do more audits. You need to do better audits. You know, there's a very high no change rate in the, mm-hmm. with the audits that the IRS does right now, particularly with high income people mm-hmm. um, and, and large enterprise. And so you need to do better audit selection, which is also a technology. But as I've been trying to remind everybody, you know, the IRS collects three point, right now it's like $3.6 trillion a year. And yeah, of that, th- it's a lot. And of that $3.6 trillion, enforcement revenue, revenue dollars that come in as a result of audits, actual collection activities, mm-hmm. you know, appeals is 2% of that $3.6 trillion. Oh, wow. Didn't so realize it was so the small. 98% comes mm-hmm. through through withholding voluntary payments, people making estimated payments, you know, employers withholding things, corporations paying things voluntarily, Mm -hmm. you know, and so we really have to think about, yes, 
audits have a trickle down effect. You know, people don't want to be audited. And mm-hmm. so they comply with the law to avoid being mm-hmm. audited. But that doesn't explain 98% of those payments. Like, if you don't provide customer service to the employers who are doing the withholding payments, yeah. if you don't make it easy for people to pay estimated taxes, if you don't make it easy for people to get through on the phone, if they have a question about what's the right answer here, how should I be doing this, mm-hmm. then you're going to be really whittling away that 98%, you know, the people who are voluntarily complying with the law. And that's the service side. That is mm-hmm. 100% the service side. And that's the phones, that's the mails, that's prompt processing mm-hmm. where there are little inadvertent errors, you know, and that's what's suffering right now. And there's not a lot of discussion about that unless you're mm-hmm. talking to taxpayers or preparers and representatives who've been sitting on the phones, you know, and not getting answers to their questions and not getting mm-hmm. their mail processed and their returns processed. So it, at least this is what it sounds like if the IRS was an actual business <laughs> Sounds like it would be going out of business yeah. because of lack of customer yeah. service, which is basically what the taxpayer is. It, the taxpayer is yeah. a customer to the IRS service, and and they need to provide that service. And that definitely, from what we see here, is where is where it's lacking. And yeah. I didn't realize enforcement was only like two percent of, yeah. of what they that's collect. Just, so those are just the numbers. I mean, that's the numbers from the IRS published data. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just did the math from looking at the tables of where dollars came from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I don't want to discount that there isn't, you know, really people do when you do surveys of people, when you do, yeah. you know, behaviors, they're like, you know, I don't want to get audited by the IRS. I don't want to hear from the IRS. And so I'm paying, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so that does have an effect, but there's a whole other part of it, namely the service part, that really, ma- you know, where you make it easy for people to comply mm-hmm. with the law. And that's where you pick up your most, your most compliance. And that's where you will start chipping away at if you don't do the service. And, you know, the IRS, you know, when we talk about the IRS as a private business, you know, well, people would say, well, you know, with private mm-hmm. business, if you don't do taxpayer service, you'll lose your customer base and they'll go somewhere else. And, you know, to some extent, the IRS headset is, well, they can't go anywhere else because we're the IRS and that's the only one. And I've been trying to say to them, well, there is somewhere else. You do have competition. That competition is non-compliance. That the person will go somewhere else, namely not be compliant. And then what are you going to do? You don't have the personnel to go after that person. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do? You have just lost to your competition, which is, I'm not going to comply. And that's really bad. Mm-hmm. So the IRS really, you know, that's where they have to change their mindset. And, and Congress needs to, to be really responsive. Um, I am, you know, heightened. One thing that I, I, you know, made the point of a couple months ago in a, in a blog or about a month ago in a blog post um, was that, you know, the commissioner talked a lot, talks a lot in his testimony about mm-hmm. how Congress only funded the phone lines for 2021 to answer six out of 10 calls. Mm-hmm. And that was before the increase of the calls went up. You know, they've had yes. unprecedented calls. So it was like, we're okay with you answering only six out of 10. What he doesn't say mm-hmm. is that the president's budget proposal for 2021 was asking for funding for only to answer six out of 10 calls. So Congress oh, funded a hundred percent of what the, Commission, the, the IRS and the Treasury Department and the White House asked for for this year. It's like, so my point was make the case mm-hmm. for greater funding. Don't set that 
don't say it's okay to answer six out of 10 calls. It's not okay. You know, try to get it up to answering 85 out of 100 calls. You're mm-hmm. never going to get 100%. But there are countries around the world that answer 92, 95% of the calls coming in. We oh, should wow. be able to do that. And, and, you know, I think that that's sort of part of the thing is that you've got to, you know, the government, the administration needs to make the case to Congress why you need to fund taxpayer service. And then Congress, give the Congress the information so they can make the decisions that they do. For the last few years, they funded either 97 to 100% of the IRS's service request of funding. So it isn't Congress that's not giving the IRS the money. It's, you know, they're giving what the IRS and, and the White House are asking. So oh, White House has to ask for more funding for taxpayer service, period. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> that's, that, that's not the story you get from the other from It's the not other sources, the story you get. No, they keep saying, well, we, you know, we need, and it's just like, well, look at the budget process. Mm-hmm. Now, I also have to say that, you know, having been inside the IRS, you know, as part of the budget process, all of the heads of the organizations would get inside the IRS would get together mm-hmm. and say, here's what we need to do our job well. So the people on the phones may have submitted a budget mm-hmm. proposal that said, we want to answer 85% of the calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that proposal goes over to Treasury. Mm-hmm. And then Treasury comes back and says, well, we don't want you to do 85%. We want you to do... 75% because we need to fund this other thing over here. And so everybody goes, uh, okay. And then once it goes back to treasury, it goes over to office of management and budget and office of management and budget says, well, we only want you to answer 65% of the calls oh. because we want the money over here somewhere oh, else. And then they say, and by the way, you need to cut everything 2% just across the board. Mm-hmm. This is what we're saying to everybody. So that's how you get down to, the final request for 60%, which may have started inside the building, inside the IRS at 85%, but that never sees the light of day. And and that's partly why I was making those comments so that Mm. both Congress could start really pushing back on some of these budget requests on the service side, but also to put some pressure on the executive branch to really think about the consequences of not funding and asking for funding for taxpayer service. Mm-hmm. So basically what we have is we have a, a more, well, a bigger push for enforcement. Let's go and collect this issue. Let's get whatever collected from whoever supposedly owes us taxes, even though, as you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of no change audits and, and it's interesting as I go to education classes, how many times I hear that from from those who really work right. on this that, oh, we got how many no change audits they have or they or it's, or it's a very few dollars of taxes right. actually paid. Right. Uh, so it seems like that's the push for more enforcement instead of trying to get the actual people to comply more easily by taking care of some of these service issues, as, as we've discussed, answering the phone, uh, making it easier for people to pay their estimated taxes, which a monthly payment would be great for most taxpayers right. if they right. could just do that, set that up monthly. Right. It's amazing. I work with a lot of different people. And if they could do something automatic like that, many of them are happy to do right. it. That's the that's the right. part about it. Many right. taxpayers are willing to pay that estimated tax if they could pay like 200 bucks a month instead of 
$1,000 a quarter or something right. or right. whatever. Well, you know, and another thing was this was, we made this recommendation, I don't know, 2002 or 2003, which shows you just how long I've been working mm-hmm. in this field, but which was, you know, there are a lot of people who are independent contractors and this recommendation came to us, but we were approached by um, like the trade association for hair salons and the travel agency trade association. And, and they said to us, you know, these are independent contractors who work for us, like the hair salons, they're renting a booth, you know, it's their sole proprietors, they're renting a booth to be in, in my shop to be mm-hmm. able to cut hair. Yes. And, but they keep getting into trouble. They can't pay estimated taxes. They're living hand to mouth, you know, mm-hmm. and then they go away and I have turnover. I would much rather, I'm losing good people. Mm-hmm. I'm already, as a salon owner, I'm already in the payroll tax system because I have myself, but mm-hmm. I also have an employee who's the receptionist, mm-hmm. you know, so I already pay wages. I'd be more than happy to pay, to do voluntary withholding on these independent contractors, get something out. Mm-hmm. Like I pay them, you know, the, I, we collect their money, we pay it out to them, we mm-hmm. subtract the supplies, you know, I could, I could take out at, with, at, with their agreement a certain amount mm-hmm. a month. Can we do this? And I went to chief counsel and they said, no, you can't. And I thought, this is really crazy that we have a system where somebody's saying, I want to help somebody stay out of trouble and I'm willing to withhold the money mm-hmm. and pay it over to you. And then we're getting back an answer that the only way we can do that is to get legislation passed. And I made that legislative proposal in 2002 and I've been making it periodically. I personally think they can do it under the current law, mm-hmm. but I mean, this is crazy. And it's such a simple little thing, yeah. you know, and it doesn't get into the independent contractor employee class. Like we're not touching that. It's like, okay, you're an independent contractor, but you want like the person that you're providing services to to withhold some money and pay yes. it over. Mm-hmm. Then that gets it out of your hands and you don't yeah. get into trouble. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like such an easy thing. And some countries around the world do that. And so it's, it's workable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just like if you thought about, even if you were trying to think about collection, but you thought about customer service in the context of collection, mm-hmm. you would do that. You know, that it's just, but for some reason, can't get it enacted, can't get IRS to do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I really like that because it's interesting because I say, well, if this isn't true, you got to do backup withholding on certain individuals. Right. That, that's, and I'm sitting, I'm sitting here listening. I'm like, okay, they won't do that, but then they demand you do this. Right. Right. Like you, you, you're like forcing the person to become non-compliant so that then you can trigger the withholding mechanism. Yeah. Like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I've seen you talk. I've seen you, I, it's weird. That is one of the weirdest things, but it's just, so then as we're getting close on time here there, what do you suggest that for us as taxpayers can do just <sighs> to cope with this as we deal with this? What's, what's your well, thoughts Well, again, that? I do think that if you have problems like the situation that you're describing about the audit, you know, the mm-hmm. thing where the person's got a return tied up because mm-hmm. somebody else has claimed the child or identity theft, you can go to the taxpayer advocate service. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, that one of the things is to really talk to your members of Congress and explain to them what is happening to their constituents because of the lack of funding both you know, on the service side and on the technology side of the IRS. You know, it's really easy to make the case for enforcement spending, because you can say for every audit, 
we generate on average this many dollars. But you, it's hard to show for every phone call you answered and every piece of information you gave out correctly, you generated this many dollars. You know, you can't, it's really hard to measure that. We all know it matters. Businesses know customer service matters, mm-hmm. but measuring it is hard. So you've got to talk to members of Congress mm-hmm. to tell them the stories that are happening to their constituents. And if you really have cases that are stuck in the IRS isn't pay, paying any attention, another way to get Congress to pay attention is to call up your local constituent office, your local congressperson's office, mm-hmm. and get the case in there because they will then, it'll do two things. They will see what's happening in a specific case, mm-hmm. and, and then they will also do an interface with the IRS to move it along. Okay. Okay, great. We certainly are so appreciative of your input and all your uh, vital knowledge today and sharing this, uh, Nina, because it's just been great. Uh, I've learned quite a bit about IRS systems and different things, and certainly we've uh, shared a lot of great information. Hopefully, hopefully something can just, but at least we know what in the world is happening. Out there <laughs> or with not the happening. Or yeah. not happening exactly <laughs> there. So uh, if you have any questions, uh, uh, now, what's, what's your website real quick here, Nina? Uh, it's taxpayer-rights.org, and you can find out all sorts of stuff about the things that we're doing. Okay. Taxpayer-rights.org. Okay, great. Thank you for sharing that. We really appreciate that. And we again, appreciate you so much for being here today, Nina. It's been a Thank real pleasure. Thank you for pleasure. having me. We're going to uh, remind everyone that uh, we're going to be back next week at 9 a.m. Pacific with another uh, tax-related topic. But yet, if you do have questions about anything we've discussed today or you want to know more information about having a, a free mutual exploration session to help you to solve tax issues and even prevent tax issues and uh, do better financially, you can email me. It's uh, success at cashtracksfinancial.com or a phone call 844-394-4287 or just go to our website, cashtracksfinancial.com and schedule a free mutual exploration session. So wonderful again. We appreciate you listening to the Tax Answers Advisor on the Voice America Business Channel. This is Marcelino Dodge. Hope you have a fabulous day. Thank you for listening to the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge. We'll be back again next Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll have more to share next week. 